Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So, Paul, are you zesty? Did you say sexy? Zesty. Zesty. I would not I, say sexy. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever been called zesty. Well, I've heard some people say that about you. Well, today <laughs> we have a story from a major wine magazine written by a person with letters after their name who Ooh. promises, uh, letters, they have letters, uh, not Mr. or Ms. or Mrs. either, who promises to explain important wine descriptors terms. That sounds zesty. Actually, most of it's gibberish. <laughs> and guess which term they don't define. Oh, wait, let me guess. Smooth. Bingo! Yeah, the one it, word that people actually that use we say and want. Over and over, people like it, serious wine people. <sighs> don't get it, Paul. I don't yep. get it. Well, it's not complicated enough. <laughs> that, probably it. Kind of like us. <laughs> also today, the listeners ask about wine in cans and what sounds like a little bit like a restaurant bait and switch. Mm. And on, in our historic history moment, we'll talk about the first domesticated grapevines. Now, does that mean, Rick, that the grapevines were uh, hanging around human camps and uh, begging for scraps? I, I think that's dogs. Uh, but, uh-huh, yeah. yeah, but no, these are from Mesopotamia. Oh yeah, they might have been they might have been hanging around for I who knows probably not the scraps. Also today, <laughs> uh, as you will hear, we we're going to make fun of wine snobs. And by the way, we are still on Capital Public Radio's podcast lineup. The that's Sacramento's NPR station. Thank you very much for Thank putting you, us Capital in, Radio puts us in the category of Capital Public Radio recommends. And by the way, a note: uh, uh, my friend Paul Wagner here is will be leading a cruise a cruise uh, down the coast of California, out of San Francisco, for Expedia Cruise Lines. Um, it will be a California wine cruise. Uh, if anybody's interested in signing up, uh, yes. it, it's not really for Paul that you're signing up. It is for the Expedia cruise ship. However, he will be there. You go to winecruisegroup.com. Wine it's cruise. true. And yeah. we will taste all sorts of wines. We'll have a wonderful time. In fact, we'll have a really wonderful time because Rick won't be going on this. So cruise. that means there's wine for you if you do go. There's wine for me if I go, and yeah. there's wine for everybody else if they go. And yeah. we'll do a couple of wine and food pairing dinners. We'll do a couple of tastings. Uh, just have a lot of fun. And, and I've done these before. Uh, this one's on Crystal, which is a really nice cruise line. And uh, the folks at Expedia have just been absolutely wonderful. So I, I know it's going to be fun and I hope people show up. All right. That is winecruisegroup.com. It is in uh, July of 2018. July 20. So time to start planning your summer vacation now. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yep. All the way down to Cabo San Lucas and back, as I recall. Yeah, maybe I'll sign up and mess it all up. Oh, Rick, that would be so sweet of you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, let us get to our descriptors. So, and I learned something, Paul. See, I always thought See, zesty meant, you know, zesty. Full of life. Yeah, or there's a few other things. So let me read from this serious magazine with from a person with letters that explains that purports to explain some common wine descriptors. What zesty means. Here's the, here's the a person saying it. Zesty relates to the very fresh and intense smell and taste from the peel of citrus fruit, fruit, be it lemon, orange, grapefruit, or tangerine. So I am not zesty. Unless you're citrusy. Unless I smell like lemon rind. Well, I've, I was going to talk to you about that. <laughs> it, could be, yeah. it could be better than what I do smell <laughs> That's like. That's true. So as a wine tasting note, this writer says, it implies aromatic intensity and mouthwatering freshness that's driven by high acidity. And here's the part I really love. If not qualified with a specific fruit, zesty refers to lemon. You know, I think this writer is confused because there is such a thing as lemon zest. Yes. It's used in baking. You, you basically scrape off a little bit of the yes. outside peel. Of, right. But, but zesty doesn't come from lemon zest. Lemon zest comes from zesty. <laughs> yes. Well, this is, you know, so 
It's a secret code, it, Rick. This is the right. This is that that we had a question a couple of weeks ago from uh, somebody going to dinner and, and they didn't understand their sommelier. Right. And, you know, and the sommelier seemed to be a really nice person, but she right. was seemed to be talking Speaking in this. Speaking code. She was taking the code that only the people within the group the seems to know. The blue moon jumps yes. over the cow. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> what does yeah, that mean? Right. So, by the way, because um, I, after I saw this story, I, I looked up Zesty in the dictionary. There's an idea. Two if different I, dictionaries. Because if I wanted to get a definition of zesty, instead of calling up someone who has a lot of letters after the name about wine, I would look in a dictionary. Yes. And, and what is, did you find? This says zesty set means, <laughs> this is good too, having a strong, pleasant, and somewhat spicy flavor. Spicy. Lively and pleasing. See, this could be you. Yes, Having an be. agreeable, strong taste. Okay. Possibly you. <laughs> one, one dictionary uses it in a sentence, which I like. It says... If you put salsas, salsa on some tacos, your mom might say, wow, those tacos are zesty. <laughs> <laughs> so first off. Whose mom would say that? Yeah, I, I like the way they brought mom in. Mom, uh, that's good. Yeah. Good old mom. But notice yeah. how there's no mention of there lemon. There's no mention of lemon yeah. at all. <laughs> <clears throat> the other one is displaying animation, vigor, or liveliness. And Paul, that that's is me. certainly you. Vigor. Oh, dear Lord. They call me vigor. They, that's what they say. They say Paul Vigor Wagner. That's what they say. <laughs> all right. So here are two more from this writer. It's, about yeah. crisp, okay. crisp and bright. Crisp and bright. Right. You're, you must be crisp because I'm bright. Well, I've – yes. Well, there's so many directions to go with that. I'm going to let it go. Uh, crisp is a very useful term, the writer says. It describes pleasant acidity in, in a still or sparkling wine. Not uh, – just not. A, why couldn't it just be in a wine? But anyway, it also suggests a certain agility and lightness that's brisk and refreshing. In comparison, a crisp wine – this is the part I love. A crisp wine certainly is less acidic than a zesty wine. Did you know that, Paul? <laughs> Did you know they were on that scale? What a load of manure. <laughs> so, a crisp wine is less acidic than a zesty wine. <laughs> First this, off, this person's just making no this sense. stuff. Yeah. Just making it up. Making it up. Right. But it, yes. I do, that's the part I love. I love is that. And, so, and so now there's a scale of acid. A scale and, of zestiness. And, and zesty and crisp. Yes. And, and frankly, and, you would think crisp would really mean the, 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 the brightest, although but this writer goes to bright with a different direction. I, I like the fact that the wine should show agility. Yes. I like the way it leaps about in the glass. Yes. Well, you know, it's a good tennis player. Yes, exactly yes, right. Yes, it is. Uh, and absolutely. brisk. A wine that is brisk. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That. Uh, uh, so, so moving right along. Moving along because um, <laughs> because we're brisk. Because we are, and we also are bright. And this is bright. <laughs> describes the pleasant effect the acidity has on primary varietal flavors, which makes no sense. Hmm. But then you know, this bright apple or cherry fruit suggests heightened primary notes of fruit. Okay, so I can understand that, but actually, here's where our famous wine expert is absolutely dead wrong because bright in UC Davis official terminology is a term that is used to describe not the aromatics or the flavors, but the actual appearance of a wine. Absolutely right. It is in, in, in every sommelier test. We're looking at the color, right? Bright, star bright, blah, blah, blah. So this person's already dancing off on the far side of the diving board And says here. brightness suggests a certain lightness, animation, and digestibility, would, but would, does would, not say where it fits in the scale with well, zesty and well, here's my question. If, it, if bright means light animated and digestible, how is that different from agile and brisk? Well, it's 
animatedly digestibly agile as opposed to lightly briskly <laughs> zesty know. yes zesty i'm, I'm just sticking <laughs> with zesty all right and then yeah. one, one more well, here good because because if if this guy hasn't beaten these words to death we sure as hell <laughs> That's will right and the big problem is is what kind of normal person is supposed to know this stuff you well, know and, and again this guy's making this stuff up absolutely there You're is gonna... no there is no agreement that crisp and zesty and bright are completely different things and defined in and, different and, ways. Well, on a scale of a no, no, or no, no, no. Well, you're gonna like this last one. Jammy. Okay. Refers to the smell and taste of red or black fruit, berries, plums, cherries. So can't have peachy jammy uh, that no longer appear fresh but cooked. While fruit jam may smell good, jammy tends to be a negative descriptor for the wine. It's just the grapes were harvested overripe, causing them to lack tension or freshness. I think it depends on who uses this term. Exactly, because some people some like people jammy. Love jammy, right? You know, yeah. we've we've actually have seen studies where it's not, it isn't as uh, popular. A description. It does turn some consumers off. Yes. But I think it's more in reference to the kinds of wines that they think about, but they don't think overcooked. And some people right. love the notion of jammy wines. Jammy's Infidel is a category that people I talk to many stand people in line like for. That. Yes. So, but this is a this is a writer who this guy does not apparently doesn't like jammy wines. So and, for and, him, it's a negative. And Rick, when you're drinking wine, what kind of jammies do you wear? I wear ones with a little, the little bears on the toes and, and some Mickey Mouse ears. Uh, it's a nice image. So, yeah. So, and you know, one final point about this if a, if a writer or wine server is using descriptions that people don't understand, it's not, you don't have to learn their scale. Their job is to, is to put it in words that you can understand. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Not your job to rewrite the dictionary. It's your job to use the dictionary so everybody else your uses. Your job is to communicate. Right. Well, speaking yep. about being un, uncomprehensible, what? We're going to take some questions. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> All right. uh, and by the way, uh, if you would like to ask us a question, the place is our website, rickandpaulwine.com. If you're not there now, that's the place to go to, to dial in a question. Uh, we promise to not make fun of you, only ourselves and Wine Stops. This was from Angela in San Diego. Mm -hmm. She says, this may sound kind of dumb, but what do they mean by oaky? I just Chardonnay, I really like. See, now we are talking about wine terms, right? So, oaky is a wine term. Yeah. I had a Chardonnay, I really liked it. My friend said it was too oaky for him, and I think I like oaky. Good. That's yeah. good to know. Yes. That's actually really important. It, it, you know, that's as a, as a bit of an aside, one of the things that we sort of, one of the main reasons why most people sort of do analysis of what their wine tastes like is to describe to themselves wines they like or don't like so they can find more wines that they, they like and like don't, and like, don't in like in those categories. Right. So, Angela, so the fact that Angela knows that she likes oaky Chardonnay, that's a good thing to know. It's a good thing to know. Absolutely. Yep. So oaky. Oaky comes from aging the wine in oak. And as part of that process, one of the things that happens is the oak absorbs some of the flavor of the oak barrel. And those flavors, depending on the kind of oak you use, can range anywhere from kind of a green dill character from new American oak to some vanilla character to even some sort of cinnamon and toasty notes on some of the other ones, even a little bit smoky. Yeah, and even a little bit oak, you can actually sometimes taste a little bit of a, of a nice bitterness of the wood. Mm -hmm. um, and what oak also does to wine is it tends to make it a little richer in body. You know, it adds viscosity, which is really unappetizing word. But once again, our typical metaphor of milks, you know, it, it makes it less like skim milk and more like whole milk. Hmm. It just give, gives a richness to the... and uh, to. So, if, but you probably are talking flavor and feel, Angela, and so that's what it is. And the reason why your friend said it was too oaky for him is, 
he, he probably likes wines that are zesty, crisp, and agile. Yes, yes, he likes agile wines. Um, uh, I, I would say that if if you had to pick one word for oak, I would pick vanilla. Yeah, exactly. And if right. you want to know what oak really smells like, go into a lumber yard and ask him a cut. A cut. I mean, I love the smell of fresh cut lumber. Not sure I always want it in my wine, but I love that smell. I love the cut, uh, the smell of fresh cut vanilla. But that's just, there you go. Uh, all right. <laughs> the next one is from Ashley in Reno. She says, we were at a restaurant. They didn't have the wine we ordered, so they brought a different vintage. The wine lady told us that, told us that, but we didn't know it cost more until we got the check. Oops. My boyfriend was not thrilled. He didn't say anything because he's nicer than I am. But afterwards, he said they should have given us the price of the first one. Is he right? Well, they should have either given him the price or they should have said, we have the older vintage, but, but it costs it's a few more. dollars more. Right. Absolutely There's, right. No excuse yeah, for this. That in a is that is really a bit of a bait and switch. Even if they didn't do it on purpose. Yep. Yeah. And, and they absolutely need to tell you that. And if they didn't tell you that, and then the check shows up, they absolutely should have charged you the initial right. price. Now, one of my pet peeves in any restaurant is they come in and they say every item on the menu has a different price. And then they come and say, let me tell you about the specials. And they tell you three specials. And they never tell you what And they, they don't tell you the prices. Yeah. Drives me nuts. Yeah. Well, you should always assume that they cost more than everything else on the menu. <laughs> right. Exactly <laughs> yeah. right. That's pretty much yes. a good place to and go And our from. specials tonight is yes. a, lo- a four-pound lobster is an appetizer. All the other lobsters cost $8. This yes. one will cost $147. Yes. We have a uh, – we have a, our, we have our wine is a special tonight is an 1876 from Bordeaux. And it's, <laughs> um, all right. That yeah. is it for questions for right now. So, Ashley. Spot on, yep. Yep. and I good call, good call. Ab- yes, dead right and, on and, all counts. And your boyfriend seems like a good guy, but he he's tell him next time he it's it's okay to say something. Yeah, absolutely yep. is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, we are moving on. Uh, speaking of, well, we weren't speaking of, but we are going to speak of some history. Oh, Up cool. Next, some some. Do, uh, do we have the trumpets? Uh, we, I'm sure we do. I love those boys. They are good. They are good. Man. Right. So mine is, uh, we were talking about a little bit about those uh, domesticated vines hanging around human camps. This yeah. is from uh, 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 actually a very famous uh, uh, guy named Dr. Patrick McGovern. I know Pat. He's he, a very nice he? man. He's a very wow. good guy. And, and, he, a, and, and, he's, a, and he's nice to you. He must the be. The leading authority in the field. Absolutely. He's this, the director of the Biomolecular Bio Archaeology Project for Cuisine, Fermented Beverages, and Health at the University of Pennsylvania Museum in Philadelphia, which is a really long title. The better title is Indiana Jones of Alcohol. Yeah. He, he's And he has fun with this. Yes. And so this guy is a bit of an <laughs> archaeologist. Just in a way of of uh, of sort of the histories of alcohol, and what he was talking about was uh, tracing when the grapes that became to the domesticated grapes that people made wine out of, not just picking right. grapes off the line, um, and that they they he feels that they came from the headwaters of the Tigris River. Mm-hmm. In Turkey, in eastern Turkey, yeah, eastern right. Turkey, which is sort of near the top of Mesopotamia, but more more and more left on the map, more and, west, and, and, actually more right. More right. More right. right. And yes. actually extremely close to the ex-Soviet Republic of Georgia, Georgia. which has another, a, another yes. huge long wine tradition. And, 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 is, uh, and Dr. McGovern and a Swiss grape geneticist whose name I'm not even going to begin to try to pronounce. Um, <laughs> they found that, that you know, vines, uh, that grapevines, we always talk about grapevines as they're self-pollinating. They right. are in S, uh, sort of a unisex, but that many other vines 
are not, that they right. actually are a boy, boy vine, girl vine sort right. of a thing where they pollinate there each other. There is still one vine in Hungary. There is still one little small section of vineyards in Hungary where they make wines where the vines require both a male and a female plant. No. Ah, interesting. Yeah. But so this is where this is how uh, uh, Dr. McGovern traces it back was mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. first mutation to where, because that made it so much easier to grow, that right. pollination was so much easier. Yep. Um, and so, but and he, he draws it back to... Um, Five to eight thousand years ago, when this um, well, actually, yeah. the pollen, the this part is older than that. The winemaking. Oh, the old, back, right, right, right. But yes. the grapevines yes, yes. actually got got mutated before that. Yeah, yep. Yes, yes. Uh, um, so, so uh, yeah. I understand. Yeah. So you you know, uh, Mr. Indiana Jones of Alcohol? Well, I've yeah. attended a couple of lectures. We've had some correspondence. Again, he's a very nice man, a very sweet man, and a very knowledgeable man. Um, and I uh, read he recently announced that they have decided that the earliest evidence of winemaking anywhere in the world is actually in the Republic of Georgia, which is, of course, just across the border from Turkey. It's hard. It's hard to distinguish. I am sure in those days, no, but there, there were no border crossings and border guards. Um, but pretty, pretty interesting area. And of course, the, the Republic of Georgia has an enormously strong tradition of winemaking. Uh, and one of the important elements of Georgian societies are these huge ceremonial dinners where everybody is given wine in drinking horns, and you literally drink the wine from the horn. Oh, I want a drinking horn. Well, I'll, I'll see if I can get you one, right? I, I'll, yeah. I'll drink wine. Anyway. It's pretty cool. And one of the nice one of the interesting things about drinking wine from a horn, Rick, you will enjoy this, there is no base. So you don't, you can't put it down. You cannot put it down. You have one choice: drain it because you got to pass it on to the next guy. So they pour you what they think you should be drinking. You you chug. not only in quality but in quantity. And Rick, if you're a little you, you quiet should, down at the corner, they may order a second horn for you down say, there. You sure this was this isn't a college dorm trick? Is what it sounds like. So. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah, <clears throat> pretty and that fun. does, and that goes back. Uh, they've seen. I know that it it is uh, like. Um, 6000 BC. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. Um, and that's and you know and we you know we t- often talk about uh the, you know the Greek and the Romans um and, and their early winemaking but that really spread it spread down in the yes, trade came, from them through came across. from those mountains and it's a fascinating place because it's between the Black and the Caspian Sea so there you assume there's some sort of movement between those two big bodies of water and then anything south is is Asia and and the Mideast and North is Europe. So in this relatively small area, you've got a lot of trade routes. People must have been transporting and 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 crossing that area for you know thousands and thousands of thousands of years. And everybody who passed through probably had a hornful of wine for the road. A horn, a hornful of wine for the road. I like that. All right. Well, uh, we are moving on um, back to questions. Cool. And with uh, as we sit here and sip from our horns of wine. Um, our next one comes from Daniel in Fresno, and uh-huh. uh, Daniel says, "I've seen some wine people say this is this wine works as an aperitif, and they say that like it's an insult. What's going on there?" Wow, um, I've used that term, but never as an insult. Um, to me, an aperitif wine is a wine that's a li- little lighter in body, a little lighter in style, so it's not going to. Um, 
uh, overpower your palate and make you not want to taste any food for the rest of the evening. Um, but to me, that's a wonderful thing. And for example, I think champagne is a perfect aperitif wine. No insult implied. Well, I, I think we'll probably what yeah, what Daniel might be picking up on, and it's a little bit of our uh, writer there who decided jamming was a bad, bad thing, uh, yeah. is those big, uh, or it doesn't even have to be big, but the kind of rich wines that, that don't have, I don't know, zesty, crisp brightness <laughs> um, that maybe don't have, that, that don't seem like they'd be great with food. So, you know, for uh, lots of us love wine with food. Lots of us love wine without food, you know, but I think that in this case, this is coming from that insult feel is like the wine should be a wine designed to go with food. Well, maybe, you know, the other possibility is you know, there is a there is a school kind of a little out of date these days that says um, it's, it's a great line. It is the duty of every great wine to be read. Um, so the idea is that all wine should be big and powerful and drink like man, drink blood of bull. Uh, it's from Georgia. Nice accent, by Thank the way. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and maybe <laughs> the people who want those kind of wines are thinking aperitif wines are unattractive wines. But you got to have something before you drink blood like bull. And if you <laughs> yeah. got that, that's what bubbly for. That's what bubbly's for. Yeah. That's what aperitif wines are for. Personally, I think that it's the duty of every wine to be delicious. There you that's go. Me. All right. This was from Suzanne <laughs> in Sacramento. She says, I'm seeing more and more wine in cans. Are they any good? Which is an interesting and really bas- basically decent solid question. Or maybe the question is, are they putting good wine in cans and does it affect the taste? And the answer to the second Ye- question is yes and no. Yes they and no. are putting yes. some good wines in cans and it does not affect the taste. On the other hand, when your boss is coming to dinner and you want to impress them, oh, pulling totally. the tab Take out on a can. A- T- pulling the tab on a can may not have the no, desired No, you put the effect. can right in front of the boss. The boss sits down. <laughs> and you tell the boss them to, has a, a, lo- a lovely place setting and a can of wine. And tell him to yes. pull the pull yeah. the tab on his own. Yeah, and then, you know, and what, what was the— And if he likes it, there's another can in the That's fridge. That's right. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, they actually one of the—it um, it is a, it is one of the sort of the—, the Trends, if that's the word for it, um, in uh, in wine in general, is the different kinds of, of portability. Of you know, packaging. Yeah, yeah. So yeah carried yeah. around. You yeah. know, and the truth of it is, things like uh, cans in the um, the the sort of milk carton like. Right. Half bottles, and three quarters, yeah, tetra packs yeah. are, um, you know, so for picnics and or going to a place where there's water, and they're great for the little kid soccer team that needs a break at halftime. Yeah, absolutely, and they, they th- they're going to think it's a juice box, so <laughs> they won't know any difference. Put a little straw right in there, boom. <laughs> boom. But it's also, you know, no glass by the pool kind of thing. So there's right. a, there's just a, and what's nice, it's a nice thing that one of the, you know. One of the nice changes of the wine world, and thank you, younger generation, actually, yes. is because yep. a lot of younger adults and a lot younger folks are, you know, they're, they're not so tied to the traditions of looking august and austere. Right. Um, and right. They blood, look blood zesty of bull. I can't do the accent. Uh, so, but the answer is <laughs> yes and yeah. You know, and there's some not so good wines and cans, too. So, like anything else, look at, you know. Yeah. Um, if you us. like it, drink it. If yep. you don't, don't buy it again. Right. Pretty much what people say about us. If, if you don't like us, don't buy these. what these people have to say. That's right. Uh, in the meantime, that is it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Our producer is the lovely and talented Matt Bassini. Thank you, Matt. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for the studio use and for including us on their podcast. They're now. recommended podcast. They're recommended. And uh, if you'd like to ask us a question, go to rickandpaulwine.com. If you learned anything today, we hope it's that zesty does not mean lemon. And join me on the cruise. And join Paul on the cruise where there won't be any lemons. Lemon. I, means lemon. <laughs> lemon means lemon. I'm Rick Cushman. <laughs> I'm Paul Wagner. I remember the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially us.